0: Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. I want to welcome you to Soul City Church. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. And for those of you who are gathering here in our limited live capacity, make some noise if you are here. Through your masks in the room. Very good. And for those of you who are actually worshiping with us online, uh, let us know where you're actually joining from in the comment section. We'd love to know uh, where you're at, so just let us know. Check in right now if you would. And for those of you who are listening on our podcast at a later date, um, I don't know, crank up your headphones. I don't know what to tell you uh, to do, but we're so glad, however you got here, that you're actually here. And uh, I I just am so glad, uh, and I just want to say something Uh, For those of you who are joining us online, um, if you're joining us online, you've been checking out what we're doing, would you just take a second and would you just smash that subscribe button? Is that what they say, John? Smash the subscribe button? Smash? Would you just smash the subscribe button? Uh, And and here's why. The reason we would encourage you to do that is so that you don't miss a thing of what God's actually doing here uh, each week at this church. Now, before I actually get into the heart of the message this week, I actually want to take a second if I could, because they gave me the mic And I just want to honor and celebrate, as we've been doing as a church, Black History Month. And specifically, I want to celebrate black history, not just for a month. I want us to recognize that there is no American history without black history. And that black history is way bigger than American history. And I just, real quick, if I could, please, I just want to take a second to honor a spiritual giant from our city. Uh, Today, I just want to take a second to honor Reverend Dr. Clay Evans, Uh, The good Dr. Evans is a legend here in Chicago, uh, among many other incredible accomplishments. He actually founded and served as lead pastor of Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church for 50 years here in Chicago's South Side. That's faithfulness, 50 Years. Not only was he a pioneer in uh, the music industry with incredible, incredible worship music, as well as a pioneer in radio and television, but he was a pioneer in the struggle for civil rights. It was actually his friendship with uh, Reverend Dr. Martha Luther King Jr. that led to Evans really and his church fellowship becoming an anchor for King's work here in Chicago. And uh, it was because of that work that King was doing Here in Chicago, alongside of Dr. Evans and many others, that he faced incredible hate and animosity and death threats. And he had to stand up to the political machine that defined this city. Well, let's be honest, that defines uh, this city. Uh, Dr. Evans would go on to actually help start the Rainbow Push Coalition with Reverend Jesse Jackson here in Chicago, which continues its critical work of racial justice and equity uh, to this day. Uh, Fun little side note. Uh, A couple years back, I had the profound privilege of actually preaching for Reverend Dr. Evans and Reverend Jesse Jackson uh, at the same church in the same row. No pressure, white boy. Um, And it was a huge, huge honor for me. And I'm so grateful that I got to to meet this legend uh, before he passed away about a year and a half ago. This church and this city, and let's be honest, this country is indebted to this great man of faith. And I today just want to honor his life and legacy. Can we honor Reverend Dr. Evans from Chicago? Well, we are actually in week two of a 10-week study on the book of Mark called Bad News, Good News. And if you were here last week or if you have watched online, you've learned a little bit about Mark. If if, if you missed it, you can always go back and catch up. Basically, uh, the gospel of Mark is an account of the life of Jesus. It's actually the shortest of the four gospel accounts, and it moves at a quick pace. Mark's whole intention is to tell the story of Jesus, the Messiah, God's promised one who's come to bring new life to all who would actually follow him. And as you just heard Tolu read uh, by Mark chapter 2, we're already well into the life and ministry of Jesus, his ministry years, the last three years of his life here on earth. And in today's focus on Mark chapter 2, Jesus lays out what I think is a significant spiritual uh, dilemma for us, one that maybe you have faced, uh, one that maybe you are up against currently right now in this moment. It's why you're here. It's why you're worshiping with us online. But it's, in my opinion, no doubt you will face this spiritual dilemma at some point, if not several points in your life. And this is it. It's, can the faith that got you here get you there? Can the faith that got you here, wherever here may be, whatever that faith may have been, can the faith that got you here actually get you there, get you to where God is leading you, get you to where and what is actually next? Can the faith that got you here get you there? Can the simple faith of your childhood sustain all the complexities of adulthood? Can the faith before a pandemic before George, George Floyd, before Breonna Taylor, before Ahmaud Arbery, can that faith sustain you through these difficult days that we are walking through? Can the faith that you had before you lost your job or before you lost your business or before the divorce or before you lost your brother or before you lost your dad or before you lost someone or something that mattered so much to you, can that faith that you had get you to where God wants to take you? Can the faith that you had, whatever it may have been, before 2020, actually carry you and support you and sustain you and compel you and lead you into what God actually has next for you? Simple question. Can the faith that got you here get you there? That's like at the heart of this teaching that we're going to look at today, that we're diving into. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible and open up to Mark chapter 2. So grab a Bible wherever you're at, or maybe open up a tab if that's easier for you, to Mark chapter 2. Open up to Mark chapter 2. Let me give you some quick context as to where we're coming at at this moment. Again, this is fairly early in Jesus' public ministry. At this point, Jesus had actually already called his disciples, Uh, He was doing teaching, he was performing miracles, he was healing people. So we're kind of well into it. And folks were coming out to see Jesus. They were turning out to see Jesus. They wanted to see this Jesus and wanted to see what he was ultimately all about. But while Jesus was was forming quite a, a following, many, many, many misunderstood his mission. Because their lives were built on the old ways of religion. Anyone know anyone like that? Their lives were built on the old ways of religion, and Jesus' new way of being in relationship with God at best intrigued them, at worst infuriated them, because it threatened and risked everything they'd built their lives on. Now, in this moment, in Mark chapter 2.18, it starts with a conversation about fasting. And let me just be clear about what kind of fasting we're talking about. We're not talking about intermittent fasting, like some of you are doing intermittent fasting right now. Maybe some bros in our church are doing some intermittent fasting. Bro, it's totally changing my life, right? Maybe you're doing that. I'm not talking about that kind of fasting. That fasting doesn't make you more spiritual, it just makes you more cranky. We're not talking about that kind of fasting. We're talking about spiritual fasting. And what do I mean by spiritual fasting? Spiritual fasting is the discipline of denying yourself to deepen your dependence on God. That's what spiritual fasting is, denying yourself to deepen your dependence on God. So that's what this conversation is about in Mark 2.18. Let's jump into the text together. It says this, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And, and some people came and asked Jesus, wait a second, Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? How come they're doing it, but your?" Not. So we see what's going on here, right? It's a little compare and contrast, is what they're doing there. They just kind of, they're trying to figure out which box to put Jesus in because John's disciples fasted. The Pharisees fasted. Actually, the Pharisees fasted twice a week as well as many other days throughout the year. But Jesus and his disciples, they just didn't. And so these folks couldn't understand why Jesus didn't practice this time tested tradition. Everyone else who claimed to be spiritual was doing it. So why wasn't Jesus and his disciples? Why wouldn't Jesus just play by those old religious rules? Why wasn't he doing what everyone else who had been committed to God for thousands of years had done? Now, I think that this is actually an incredibly important moment, not only for the life and ministry Of Jesus, But for anyone who is actually serious about following Jesus, and it's important that you get this, you might want to jot this down, all right? This is either for you or for someone else that you know in your life. This is important. Don't miss this. Because Jesus didn't say, follow the rules. He said, follow me. Jesus did not come here to say, make sure you follow the rules. No, what Jesus said again and again and again and again is, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Me. He did not say, make sure that you read your Bible for 15 minutes a day. Bonus points if you journal while doing it. Never said that. Jesus didn't say, make sure you go to church every week. Bonus points if you're in a group. Twice a week, whoo, God loves that. Never said that. He didn't say, make sure that you pray at least three times a day. Bonus points if it's not at meals. Never said that. He didn't say, follow the rules. What did he say? He said, follow me. Follow me. And this is incredibly important. And I didn't want to have to do this, but I feel like I have to do this. (sighs) I just need a second. Can I just have a second? Can I just have a moment here? Because I'm sure this is not for you. This is for other folks. But I just need to get on my soapbox here for a second if I can. Why is this so important? That Jesus said, follow me versus follow the rules. Because listen, I, and I don't, I, I truly, I genuinely don't mean any disrespect. I say this with all love. But there are a lot of people who spent a lot of their lives following the rules and they look nothing like Jesus. They're really good at following the rules, but they look nothing like Jesus. And you know how you know that they're following the rules? Because they let you know that they're following the rules, and they let you know all the rules that you are not following. But I don't know if they're actually following Jesus. How many of y'all know that you can follow all the rules? You can make sure to do everything right, to try not to do anything wrong, but not love the poor anymore in your life. That you can try and play by all the rules and make sure you follow every little thing but not have more grace in your life for others or grace in your life for yourself. You can follow all the rules and still not be more generous with God and with others. You can lack love for the misfits and the mess-ups. You got all the rules down, but you may have missed the whole point. You may have missed the whole point. Because you can follow the rules without following Jesus. Now, why would anyone actually do that? Well, let me tell you from personal experience why people would rather follow the rules than actually follow Jesus, because it's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do my best to do it. It's a whole lot easier. It's way more predictable, way more controllable, and ultimately requires way less faith. And maybe that's that's actually the path that you were on without even realizing it. You didn't even know. I mean, you know that you weren't perfect, but you 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 tried to do the things that you thought God wanted you to do, but then 2020 happened. And it wasn't as easy to follow any of those rules, whatever they were for you. It wasn't as predictable. Nothing was predictable this last year. And maybe that is why you find yourself stuck or, or, or even lost. Because it doesn't work like it used to. And I just want to ask you the question. Do you think that is why Jesus came? Do you think he came to remind you of the rules? Or could it be that he's actually inviting you in to something bigger, to something better, to something deeper than all of that? Could it be that what he's asking you to do, all he's asking you to do, is to just follow him? Soapbox moment over. But I know I may get it back out later. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not, I'm only going to put that over there for a minute because we need to get back to the text because that wasn't even the point of the message. Here's the point of the message uh, Jesus takes this surface level conversation about fasting, right? Remember the compare and contrast? John's disciples do it, the Pharisees do it. Why don't you and your disciples do it? He takes that surface level conversation about fasting to something much bigger, to something much deeper because that's always what Jesus is doing. And he teaches us a spiritual principle about old ways and about new days. Jesus uses some everyday imagery to help us understand what he's really talking about, what this life of following him is really like. This is what he says in verse 21. Mark 2:21 says this, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. So, Maybe you've heard that verse before. For those of you who don't actually make your own clothes or who don't sell boutique fashion forward scarves on Etsy, let me help you understand what's actually going on here. I'll take you to sewing class for a minute. Um, so you know how it feels when you get a brand new pair of jeans. These are not mine. Uh, when you get a brand new pair of jeans and you put them on in the shop and they look fantastic, right? They look awesome. Like you want to wear them out. They look that good, right? And so you wear them and wear them and wear them and eventually you got to wash them at some point, right? And so when you wash those brand new awesome jeans, what happens to them? They shrink, right? They shrink a little bit. So imagine for those jeans that have actually shrunk, if they were to have a hole in them, like every pair of jeans that Patrick has, if they were to have a hole in them and you wanted to patch that hole, you wanted to put a patch on that hole, so you grabbed a new piece of fabric on those old jeans and you sewed it on here, and then eventually you have to wash these jeans again. What's going to happen to that new fabric when it goes through the wash and dries? It's going to shrink. The jeans have already shrunk, but the new fabric is going to shrink. And what's going to happen? It's going to pull away from those stitches. It's going to pull away from the seams and actually make the tear even worse. That's what Jesus is talking about here. But he's not done. He actually goes on to say this. He uses a whole other image in verse 22. He says, In the same way, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into, everyone say it out loud, into new wineskins. You pour new wine into wineskins. Now again, I get it. For those of you who don't subscribe to first century wine enthusiasts, let me break this down with a little bit of cultural context because what Jesus is is talking about here is is how they used to store wine and and they would keep it in something similar to this, to an actual wineskin. And in those days, they didn't keep it in a glass bottle like we do today, or for those of you who like to keep it classy, they didn't, they didn't keep it in a box. They, they would actually put wine into a dried animal skin, also gross, but they would put it into a dried animal skin. And here's the thing, as new wine, as brand new wine goes through the fermentation process, what happens is it lets off gases and the wine actually expands a little bit. And so as the wine expands, it begins to take up a little bit more room. Well, a new wine skin actually will be able to stretch with it, to grow with that fermentation process until it eventually takes its shape along with the wine. But the process actually leaves that wine skin stiff and and brittle and and, and stretched out. So if you have a, a stiff and brittle and stretched out wine skin and you pour new wine into that old wineskin that's already grown to where it can grow to, what is going to happen? You're going to actually cause that new wineskin to burst and for the wineskin and the wine to actually be ruined. Major first century party foul right there. You would actually never do that. Both of them have to grow together over time. Now, what what does any of this have to do with Jesus with you, with the faith that, that got you here. Well, I think it's incredibly important. I, I don't want to just fly past this text. I want you to pay attention because I think Jesus masterfully chose these two metaphors. Think about it. Think of the patch that we looked at just a second ago, like your outer life. It's like your outer life. It's your, it's your habits. It's your patterns. It's your practices. It's the things you, you, you do on the outside. And think of the wine as your inner life. It's your inner life. That's your your beliefs, your convictions, your motivations. And what Jesus is using is he's using both our outer life and our inner life to teach this principle about what it really means to be made new in him. This is why just if you were to just add some spiritual practices to your outer life without Holy Spirit transformation of your inner life, it just doesn't work for long. You'll eventually quit and give up. It just doesn't work without both working together. And in the same way, it's why when you experience inner life, Holy Spirit transformation, maybe you come to our live limited capacity and you worship, you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot about how much I love worship. I feel so great with God. You feel so much on a higher, you're watching online, you feel encouraged for the week, but nothing changes in your outer life. You're missing the point. Both have to grow together, your inner life, and your outer life need to be made new, especially in light of the new days that we are living through, especially in light of the challenges and the changes that you may be facing as you navigate a new season in your life, new realities in your life, as things aren't what they used to be as those old ways just aren't enough anymore. Now, why is that? That's because I believe this is a fundamental principle. New days need new ways. How many of y'all know that new days need new ways? Here's what I want you to do. With your masks on, turn to the person next to you and say, and those of you who are worshiping online, just say whoever's next to you. I don't care if it's your dog. I don't care if it's your roommate. Wake them up. Just turn to them, and I want everyone to say, say new days. New days. Nope, nope, nope. See, those of you online are doing it. You're doing it. These guys, it's been a while since they've talked to people. So turn to the person next to you and say through your mask, new days, new need, days. New ways. need new ways. New days need new ways. Come on, you already actually know this principle to be true. For those of you who have a job right now, you're working, imagine maybe you're responsible for your company or for your division. If your company or your division continues to perform poorly quarter after quarter after quarter and you decide to change nothing in your strategy, what's going to happen to your company? It's not going to be here anymore, right? You have to, there's new days, so we need to adapt. We need to have some new ways. Those of you who are parents, if you've raised kids or raising kids, you know that how you parented your infant is incredibly different from how you parent your toddler, yes? And how you parent your toddler is incredibly different from how you parent your teenager. And if you're parenting a teenager, our prayer team is waiting for you after this gathering. We want to pray for you right now, right? It's incredibly different because you know as new days and new seasons come in your life, it requires new ways of parenting. You already know this to be true. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that we know that new days need some new ways. So why would it be any different for you? Why would it be any different for your relationship? with God. Could it be that this is why the faith that got you here just it just won't get you there? And I want to be really clear about this. I want to be really really crystal clear about this. It doesn't mean, I want listen. It doesn't mean that what was was bad. It doesn't always mean that what was was bad. You don't always need to look back on it with shame or judgment, because the faith that you had in those old days, whatever they were, whatever it was, served you for a time. It served you for a time. It was what you needed when you needed it. In fact, it may have been all that you were ready for in that season. But it just doesn't serve you anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't fit your ever-expanding, continuously more complex and complicated life. Think of it this way. Let's go back to the metaphor. Think of it this way. These are an old pair of jeans, okay, of mine. I want you to imagine <laughs> I've been wearing skinny jeans since I was little, okay? These jeans used to fit me. There, there was a day when these fit, I mean, and I looked great in them. I'm just going to say it. Someone needs to say it. These used to fit, right? They were just, these were just what I needed when I needed them. But as I grew As I got bigger, and then even a a little bigger than that, they didn't fit anymore. They just didn't fit anymore. Now, I can try and go back and and squeeze into these things right now. Some of y'all think I wear skinny jeans now. If I were to try and put these things on right now, I can try and do that to go back to what was once familiar. But what's going to end up happening? It's going to tear. It's going to rip. It's not going to fit. It's not going to work. It won't be enough. It doesn't mean that I hate pants now. Some of y'all, some of y'all came out of some unhealthy churches, and you've judged every church by that church. Some of y'all had some toxic and unhealthy leaders, and you've assumed every leader is toxic and unhealthy. For some of us, what used to fit, what was enough, isn't enough anymore. But it doesn't mean that I hate pants or I'm never going to wear pants again. It just means that I need bigger ones now. As my life continues to grow, as my life continues to get more complex, does that make sense? Think of it this way. This is baby formula, right? I was raised on it. Some of you were raised on it. It's great, it's fantastic. I don't remember what it tasted like. I didn't know what it tasted like then. All I knew was this was what kept me alive. If I didn't have this, I actually wouldn't grow. But if I were to try and go back right now and live off of baby formula right now, You're right. It's nasty. It is nasty. This wouldn't be enough for me today, would it? It just wouldn't be enough for what my body actually needs today. Now, again, I want to be clear. It doesn't mean that I hate baby formula or that I judge babies who are drinking baby formula. When I see them like amateur, I don't. Why would I do that? Because this was what I needed when I needed it. And I wouldn't have grown without it. But it's not enough now. There's more. I need more. Wouldn't be here without it. I thank God for it. But it's just not enough for where God wants to take me. And I think this is what Jesus was getting at that those old ways, those old rules were important. They were important for a season, but they're not the point. The point of those old rules, of that old religion, the point was to point to Jesus. The point was always to point to Jesus, the one who stitches and holds our life together. That new wine that is ever expanding and poured out for every single person. That is what Jesus was getting at. And listen, for anyone who's feeling spiritually stuck right now, you are feeling like you are in a rut right now. Maybe you'd be honest to admit that you're actually lost. You feel lost right now. Maybe you're having a crisis of faith right now. Maybe you're in the process of dismantling or deconstructing your faith right now. I want you to hear this with all love. Don't miss this. If That's where you're at right now. Listen to me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God that what's once served you no longer serves you. What was once enough for you is no longer enough for you. Praise God it doesn't fit you anymore. That means you're growing. That means God's inviting you, Jesus is inviting you into the deeper places. Praise God for that. I've had several seasons where I found myself in spiritual stuckness in my life. My first significant one was in college. I've talked about it here before. When I realized that I'd spent most of my life up to that point following the rules without actually following Jesus. And I was done. I was tired of it. It wasn't worth it. That game was over for me. The next spiritual crisis I had, the next spiritual stuck season I found myself in was when Jeannie's dad died. And I I had to let go of the small box that I had put God's goodness in and all the terms and conditions that he never even agreed to that I came up with on my own. The next season of spiritual stuckness for me was when I became a father. And, And I felt so beyond the tips of my skis. I didn't know what I was doing. And I realized in that season how desperately dependent I was on God for these two precious lives that he had entrusted to Jeannie and I. Next one was when I became one of the lead pastors of this church. And a few years in, I found myself on the edge of depletion and defeat, and I wanted to quit because I had seen and experienced how doing the work of God had killed the work of God in me. Look y'all, I've told you this, this last summer, this last summer for me, I just I felt stuck. I felt like I, I didn't have enough. I felt like I didn't know how to, to lead, let alone live through all of the changes that were happening in our city, in our country, in our family, in the world. I didn't know how to, to navigate and, and lead and trust God through more change in one year than I'd seen in the previous 10 years. Now at any one of those points, I can, I can, I can try and go back to the faith I had in my teens and see if that still fits. You think that'll be enough for the world that we live in this day, for the way that my life has grown and become more complicated, more complex? I could try and go back to the faith of my 20s. I could try and go back to the faith I had before 2020. I can try and sew some kind of new patches on that old faith or pour some new wine into those old wine skins, but it just won't work because new days need new ways. So in light of Jesus' teaching here in in Mark chapter two, my question for you, it's a simple question, my question for you, and I want you to really think about this this week. I want you to reflect on it today, and I want you to think about it throughout this week. You might wanna jot this down. Here's the question for you to take to God, to examine in your life this week. Here it is. What's the new that Jesus wants to do in you? What is the new that Jesus wants to do in you? What's he inviting you into? (laughs) What's he inviting you into? Here's how you know that he may be up to something that you're scared of, you're fearful of, right? You feel like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not equipped for that. I'm not ready for that. I'm not there yet. I'm like, I, I'm good with formula. I wanna stay over here, Jesus. What's the new that Jesus actually wants to do in you? Maybe it's new levels of, of faith and trust and dependence as you navigate a new season. Maybe it's a season of unemployment or a season of loss. Season of heartbreak. What's the new that Jesus wants to do in you? Maybe it's new spiritual disciplines, new spiritual practices that flow from the inside out, out of a desire to go to those deeper places with God, to pour out of your life from your inner life to your outer life, your outer life to your inner life, because maybe some of those old practices that used to serve you just aren't serving you anymore. What's the new that Jesus wants to do in you? Maybe it's a new practice of of prayer or the risk of vulnerability those that you're in a relationship with. Maybe it's new levels of generosity. Somehow over the course of this last year with so much uncertainty, you've become more stingy. You've just kind of put your arms around your stuff and said, I'm gonna do everything I can not to lose this. And maybe Jesus is inviting you into greater levels of joyful generosity, of releasing and relinquishing the death grip that your stuff can have on you. Maybe it's new levels of service. You've been so focused on yourself lately and just getting by, understandably so, that you've missed the pain and the struggle of your brothers and sisters around you. Maybe it's a new level of worship, of choosing to praise God in the midst of the struggle. I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I do know. Jesus always wants to do something new. He always wants to do something new in you, through you. He's already done it for you. He wants to do something new in you. So your homework for this week, your work for the week, here's what we're all gonna do together. Wherever you're at around the world watching right now, here's what we're gonna do together. Your homework for the week is to make room for Jesus to do the thing that he wants to do in you. It's just to make some room. Jesus to do the thing that he wants to do in you. It's to let that wine skin just grow that much more, to make room. And if you're wondering like, I don't know, I'm kind of new to this. I don't even know what's the new thing that Jesus wants to do in me. A great place to start investigating is where you find yourself most dependent on yourself or most resistant to God. And let's be honest, they're usually the exact same thing. Are there any areas of your life where you're finding yourself more dependent on yourself. It's up to me, it's up to me, it's up to me. Or resistant to God. No, not that area, not that person, not that relationship, not that habit, not that addiction, not that pattern. That might be a great place to start. Jesus, is there something new that you wanna do? And would I be willing to surrender this week to open up, to make room for you to do in my inner life, through my outer life, the new that you want to do? So let me pray for us towards that end. Jesus, thank you. This is not about some old time religion. This is about you doing something new in and through us. This is about your Holy Spirit moving even right now in this room and in every room where people are worshiping with us, every place where people are listening to this message right now, you are wanting to do something new. You are ready to do something new. Would you help us make room for you to do what only you can do? Would you help us to surrender maybe the things that we're holding on to, the things we're unwilling to let go of the places where we're most dependent on ourselves or most resistant to you. Would you help us form maybe some new ways of being in relationship with you, of deepening our relationship with you as we walk through these new days that all of us are navigating. Jesus, thank you that you never leave us, you never forget us, you're always with us, working for us on our behalf, and you are here to make us new, to help us make room for you to do that right now in your name we pray.